You are listening to the number one Toyota truck and SUV podcast, Toyota Trucks and Trails, with discussions from restorations to racing, interviews with folks from all areas of the Toyota community, product and event reviews, and much more. We are sure to offer something for you, so sit back and enjoy the show. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 7 of Toyota Trucks and Trails podcast. I am your host Jason Hoffman and back on the show with me tonight is your interesting, intelligent, uh, uh, any other fun ways that we want to look at him, your co-host Rich LaRusso. How you doing tonight Rich? Did you just call me interesting and intelligent? Both of them in the same sentence. Are you running for president? We can't lie to these people. We're, we're going to try anyway. <laughs> no, that sounded terrible. I shouldn't have said that. I should just shut up. I'm going to do that now before I dig, dig a deeper hole for myself. Uh, well, I appreciate the kind words, and it's nice to be back. Well, we, we missed you last time, but uh, we did the best we could to get an episode out, and, and glad you're back. Hopefully, it'll uh, we'll we'll get back on track here. Sometimes things get a little busy around here. I work a day job, just just like everybody everybody else. You know, I I have to support all the the protesters in the world. So, uh, you know, with the, through my tax dollars. So I, I work for a living, and when I get some time, sometimes my projects can eat me alive, like my uh, recent diff swap did. I understand. I, I go through the same thing. Um, <laughs> put no fault on you whatsoever for that. So just just glad to have you have you back and uh, get things going i i was doing toyota stuff <laughs> well that's that's the main thing that is the main thing so uh other than the the diff swap which we're we're going to get to in the main topic I- anything other than that exciting been going on for you well no um <clears throat> you know planning this this enormous event uh for for the end of april uh that's happening at roush creek off-road park in pennsylvania uh, and uh, we're we're coming up on uh, almost thirty thirty thousand dollars in raffle prizes oh, from wow. some big name sponsors. We've we've even got Pepsi talking to us about sponsoring us this year. Which you know um, I can't really drink that much Pepsi, but I have a feeling I will be. So things have just gone you know over the top with with event planning, and uh, for the first time, I'm not doing it all by myself this year. I've got a, a some great volunteers that step forward and, and are actually taking uh, 98% of the work for me. But that, that remaining 2% is still quite a bit of work for for an event our size. We, we pulled in 168 trucks last year, and we have a feeling this year is going to be really, really pushing, you know, us up to the bit, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to say the number 200 and give people ideas, but, but boy, it is looking like we are going to be bigger than ever. Uh, and we're kind of just turning into the, uh, Northeast, Northeast's, you know, uh, monster Toyota event, even though it's mostly FJ cruisers, we're, we're starting to get a lot more, uh, you know, mini trucks and, and land cruisers out. So it's just going over the top and, and we're happy about that, but, but you know, I can't say I know anything about event planning. You know, I'm 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 making this up as I go along, and and uh, hopefully uh, some of our listeners can come out and check out that event. And we'll talk about that probably as we get a little closer to the event. You know what the event is and what it's all about, and uh, why it would be great to see everybody there. But uh, boy, it is it is just a ton of work. 
I, I completely understand with my new responsibilities in the, in the club that I'm in. I've been kind of helping with, with our event in, unfortunately, your event up there and, and the event that, that our club puts on here are super close together. But uh, I've been uh, more involved this year than any time in the past, especially in the, the planning stages for it and, and that kind of stuff. So it's been a, a definite learning curve for me. I've, it's all completely new to me. I've never done it before. Thankfully, there's there's people that know far more about it than I do to, you know, still steer the ship, so to, so to speak. And, and some of us on the outside are just kind of, of uh, I don't want to say picking up the slack because those guys have definitely not dropped the ball in the past, but stepping up to the game and kind of learning how things things go and and that way we can in the future uh give the guys that are doing it now a break so hopefully uh when the time comes i have learned enough to be adequate at it but it's it's definitely been a been a learning curve anyway yeah i just just you know trying to navigate the uh the sea of t-shirt size choices has been a learning <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> I'm sure. I, I'm sure you guys probably deal with that a little bit, and you know, uh, we have to get make sure everybody has stickers because you know, in the in the off road community, and I'm sure on the on the street and track community, it's the same way. Stickers are actually a form of currency, and you can pay for goods and services with stickers. It seems that way. <laughs> <laughs> it seems that way. Hopefully, you know our our. Our podcast stickers will be, you know, go up in value. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, um, some people have been asking about them, and uh, I think uh, we'll have to be sure at the end of the episode to repeat uh, the information on how to obtain a Toyota Trucks and Trails podcast sticker. Absolutely. I've got, got some stuff going out in the mail tomorrow, so we will we will definitely cover it again. Do, do I get one? Uh, no. Ah. Oh. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Actually, I, I, I guess now is as good a time as any to, to, to tell you, but I've got two orders of stuff. And uh, I've been meaning to get you st- some, some stuff out, but I wanted to get you a little bit of, of everything that was coming. And uh, the second order hasn't arrived yet. So your, oh. your stuff is on, on the way, but uh, it's going to have to wait till I get the, the uh, second, second order so I don't have, you know, to make two trips to the nasty post office and get stuff sent to you. <laughs> you, you, you should have just left it a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I look forward to it. Thank you, and and um, I I can't wait because I have, I've got some some new real estate on my my rig to you know I removed some some stickers that didn't survive the winter, so I've I've actually got places to put stickers now. I thought you were going to put them underneath the skid plates before you put them back on. <laughs> You know, I do have some stickers there, and if you could see, if you could see them, I probably shouldn't be doing whatever I'm doing. Oh, well. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I I myself have not been up to uh, too much Toyota related. I guess uh, the only thing I've done that's even kind of Toyota related, I will be attending the uh, the Louisiana Land Cruisers event down in Alabama in. Uh, April 7th through the 10th, uh, the Mardi Crawl event. And uh, I decided that time has snuck up on me enough, and it was time to get the motorhome ready to go. And, and uh, I went out today to move the Forerunner around from one parking spot to another, and lo and behold, the battery was dead in it. So 
it hasn't been started in a considerable amount of time, so I'm not terribly worried about the battery being dead. But um, got the battery charger on it, got it, got it fired up, and moved it around. And there's a few little little projects that I want to get get done on it before we go. Hopefully, I'll have a little more time before the event gets here. Otherwise, it will get wheeled the way it is. But uh, really looking forward to that. Just trying to get up get geared up to get down there and it was a blast last year i look forward to to to, uh taking the show down there and and maybe doing some interviews with attendees and that sort of thing and work on getting getting the word out about the show it'll be a new adventure this year with the added job dealing with the show but i'm i'm really looking forward to it and and that event is the louisiana land cruiser yes correct yeah, if you go back to, uh, if the listeners go back to, I think it was episode, was it three, two? Mm-hmm. Oh, Christ, I'm, we're getting so many of them, I can't remember, two, I think it was. <laughs> I don't think we have a lot of episodes, I think we were just, you know, Simple-minded. <laughs> reaching the great fermenting stage of life where memory doesn't work as that, well. That too. probably plays a bigger role in it. <laughs> Anyhow, if you go back to one of the earlier episodes, not that we're a ton deep in now, but uh, there was actually an interview done with uh, with one of the guys from the Louisiana Cruisers uh, about that event. And uh, again, if anybody's is in the area it's in northern alabama a little town out or a a little park outside of the town of tuscumbia alabama a great little park a lot of facilities really nice place and those guys do a great job of putting on an event so uh, look forward to to seeing some listeners out there or, or hopefully we'll we'll meet some maybe one of the five that we have will will be there that sounds great so just before we get into the main topic, nothing going on other than than what we're going to discuss in the main topic, right? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I don't want to. I, I mean, I don't want to bore everybody with my frozen calipers. I think uh, everyone listening probably knows all about frozen calipers. I had forgot all about you. Posted something about that on Facebook. <laughs> uh, always that one little added challenge to make things interesting. I was at the end of the project, Jason. I was ready to put the wheels on and drive away on my new diffs. No such luck. No. <laughs> no. I, have, I have had stuff like that happen so many times that, you know, oh, I got it all buttoned up and it's ready to go. No, it's not. No. You got this one project that, and and I remember talking to you about it that, you know, you were in, in the middle of, okay, this is my only vehicle. I need parts from the parts store. My only vehicle I can't drive. How am I, I going to get to the parts store? Crap, i got to have somebody come and get me or go get the parts and bring them to me or something. You know, it's been a long time with my myriad of vehicles parked in the driveway that I've been in that situation. But I, I have been there. And believe me, when you have as many vehicles as I've got and you still wind up in that situation, trust me, far more frustrating. If it's your only vehicle that's broke down, and you're working on it, trying to get it fixed, kudos to you. <laughs> if it's one of your multiple vehicles that you're trying to get fixed and you don't have another one that's capable of getting you to town, huge problem. Huge, huge problem. Yeah. Well, I, I was lucky. Uh, uh, the, the the wife was home asleep. She she worked nights. She, she had the night shift, so she, she was asleep. And, you know, um, oblivious to my pain. <laughs> well, I think she's, she might be that way when she's awake. She doesn't listen to the show, so I can say that. But, um, 
<laughs> she has a uh, lifted Nissan Xterra, and 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 I don't want to upset anyone by mentioning Nissans again. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I had two main challenges after uh, three main challenges after discovering the frozen calipers. Was one, how am I going to get to the auto parts store? Two, where the heck did she put her keys today? And <laughs> three, where is the damn seat adjuster in this car? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, a slightly lighter wallet later, I, I had two brand new calipers and a can of caliper paint. And, uh, you know, I, I uh, slapped them on and, and was sure to trace out uh, Brembo, you know, with my finger on the side of the AutoZone brand sure. calipers that I slapped on there. Sure. I, you know, I... Um, you know, I could have rebuilt, but I was in a huge hurry to just get this project wrapped up. Um, and, you know, both mentally and, and physically, I just needed this the, the door closed on this chapter. Uh, and I needed the truck working and on the road. So, you know, I just went with uh, rebuilt. Uh, I, it wasn't AutoZone. It was Advance Auto. Same same difference as far as some people are concerned. I think it was Duralast or or something like that, but uh, yeah, I just I just swapped them out and 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 did it that way. The OEMs are nice; you can get a rebuild kit, so cheap, and they're not hard to do. But uh, you know, when you're in a hurry, sometimes time is money. Sure, and, and uh, I didn't have a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I myself have never had re- any luck rebuilding calipers. I, I can get them to work for. You know, I get a couple more months' use out of them, and they start leaking, or or I start having issues um, every time I've rebuilt a pair of them. And I have gotten to the point now where if I need calipers on anything, I just buy new ones, I, or buy remand ones rather. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I I run a ton of AutoZone stuff on on both my Forerunners, and it uh, I know a lot of people, you know diss that stuff and that that's fine you know i understand that a lot of people have had, had terrible luck with it and that sort of thing but i myself have always had had pretty decent luck with it when i did the uh the tundra upgrade on my my 97 tundra calipers and and uh, brake rotors i got them from yeah let me think no i ordered the uh the caliper or the rotors pardon me but uh i bought the calipers uh remand from from AutoZone. And they've been on there over a year, haven't had lick of trouble out of them. So, anyway, yeah. And and the thing is, is I think only one caliper was bad, but it was the first one I picked up. So I said to myself, "Well, I'm just I'm just going to do both of them because that's you know, especially on the front end, I just tend to do things in pairs. Well, you know? and, and that's best anyway. I, I you think so? Oh, I I do. Yeah, I've. Uh, I mean, I've replaced one caliper at a time many times, but normally it was more due to finances than, you know, the idea of only replacing one. Yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> but needless to say, uh, I'm back on all fours, and, and uh, I can move on to the next uh, the next major undertaking, which isn't really too major. It's more of just prepping for the season, and I have to redesign my refrigerator mount and do some, some stuff like that. Well, I, I'm anxious to talk to you about that because I haven't figured out my first refrigerator mount other than a couple of ratchet straps to, to, a, to a couple of loops Honestly, in the floor. If it's an ARV fridge, the, that that ratchet strap uh, setup that they make uh, isn't so bad. I, I have a dog going bananas. So I apologize to everybody. Um, in regards to the fridge mount, um, and the, 
I just took a sheet of plywood, bolted that down, and mounting the straps to that piece of plywood. Well, that's a, a cool idea because I, I I ended up pull, completely pulling the back seats out of my Forerunner. I don't know whether I've, I've ever said that or not, but when I built my platform and stuff, um, the box that I use for a toolbox never has fit all that great with the back seats, uh-huh. and trying to figure out how to do the fridge and the platform and the storage box and all that stuff. I just, I, I spent two years trying to figure out how to do it and leave the back seats in. And I was talking to the wife about it and she finally, you know, she said, well, it's your truck. You never have anybody, you know, anybody other than maybe one passenger in there. If it's easier to do without the back seats, take the back seats out and do away with them. So that, yeah. that was my, my eventual, you know, I would love to be able to redo it and get them back in there just because I don't like the fact that I don't have any back seats. But uh. So what I kind of did was kind of what you're – like I have – I don't know if your back – do your back seats fold down and like the like the seat bottom folds up and then the backs fold down? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So in ours, you know, you have the two hand knobs where you can take the bottoms actually out of the truck like by hand. You don't even need tools. You just screw the, unscrew these knobs and – the, the seat bottoms will come out, and then you can fold the back down. So what I do is um, I got a piece of uh, half-inch plywood, or, th- or maybe it's three-quarter, I don't know, whatever. Um, and I bolt that to the back of the seat once it's folded down. And, and I've matched the bolts to what goes through the hinges, where the hinges go into the back of the, uh, you know, into the bottom of the seat back. And go right through the board, right into the seat, uh, right into the hinges there, and that secures it to the seat back. And then um, on the front, I go from the two, you know, I use the ARB straps and then go to the two hinges for the seat bottom, if that makes sense, if you're following me. Um, And that keeps it from flapping up and down in the front, and then it also secures the back, and, and it works really, really, really well. Um, the straps are nice because you can take the fridge out. You know that that was the thing I was thinking of permanently mounting it. And that ARB fridge slide is nice because you can just clip in the fridge and clip it out. Sure. Um, you know, there's four screws in the bottom, but that thing is like what three hundred dollars or something. It's ridiculous. It's crazy, crazy expensive. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's no no uh, no, no no no. The uh, only investment I made in that fridge was the transit bag, and it was worth every penny. Well, I, I'm not uptown enough to even have a uh, have an ARB fridge. My fridge is a Winter brand, W-H-Y-N. Yeah, my friend has one of those. But the thing is great. Uh, yeah, it, it, so I, I haven't had it terribly long. I bought it just before I went to Moab. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it ran for 10 days straight in Moab, you know, the whole time we were out there. I used it on the, the New Year's ride. It, it's it's done a great job so far uh, yeah. For, yeah. for the money. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, you don't I, need to spend a thousand dollars to get a decent fridge anymore. No, I, well, I, I don't want to say no because I have no no uh, basis. You know, this right. this is the only one that I've ever had. But kind, kind of like my my cheap winch, uh, I can only speak for my experience with it. But so far, it's it's done a great job, and and I have no problems with it. Uh, yeah, well, I think with any of those things, as long as you run the vehicle every day and keep the fridge full, it's going to be bulletproof. Well, my uh, my only complaint with it, uh, when I took it out of the box, I looked at the, uh, well, actually, before I ordered it, I, just looking at, at pictures of it, it's got plastic handles, like flip-up handles on, mm-hmm. on both ends. And I looked at those, and I thought, 
looked at those and looked at the weight of the fridge and, and looked at the handles and I thought, ah, I really wish they would do something a little more durable with the, the handles. Yeah. And, uh, when I got it, took it out of the box, I kind of thought, well, they're a little, little beefier plastic than what they looked like in the pictures. Uh, but I still wish that it had some kind of a, a more durable handle on it. Mm. And sure enough, while I was in Moab, I got it just in time to put it in the truck before I put the truck on the transport to, to ship it, you know, or to get ready to ship it to, to Moab. And uh, all I had time to do was just throw it in there. And I didn't figure out any way of tying it down or, or anything until I was actually in Moab. Well, then it came down to however I could make it work, you know, uh, just to keep it in place. And I actually ended up tweaking one of the, the cheap plastic handles uh, with my initial tie-down setup. So I'm a little frustrated about that. It's not, I wouldn't call it a manufacturer defect other than the fact that I wasn't impressed with the plastic handles to begin right, with. But right. it was it was my own fault for for damaging it. It wasn't, you know. Right, right. But you figure, too, if you damaged it that easy, you know, you and your wife going in and out of there about 100 times in a, in a, in a week's, you know, use, and they're going to start to suffer. right. Right, yeah. It uh, again. That that ha- is my only complaint. Um, and then you just need more ratchet straps if that. Happens. Well, it, and to be honest with you, Rich, that's exactly what happened. Uh, <laughs> I, I used one ratchet strap. I should have used two. Um, yeah. And, and I should have tied down in, in, in a slightly different manner than what I did. But uh, anyway, it. Uh, anyway. As far as the the function of it, it still does great. One of these days, we're going to have to do a show on you know our single most important thing to have on a. Overland style backwoods camping trip, uh, you know the the one piece of gear that we can't can't think we can't live without. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, we uh, started to head towards the main topic, and somehow we got derailed. But are are you ready to get into the main topic? Yes. All righty, let's get to it. Okay, for a main topic this week, uh, seeing how Rich just kind of kind of finished up his regearing project, I, I thought we would dig into to regearing a little bit and maybe some simple tips and, and tricks for Toyota specific specific axles that or or differentials rather that some of our listeners may not be aware of and maybe they're looking at doing some of these things and, and we can give them a little bit of a, a heads up on some alternatives. Yeah, I, I had started the the regear project and and uh, along the way learned a, a couple of cool things and uh, so hopefully we can pass this on to somebody out there who uh, is interested in this kind of stuff. Sure. On your your partic- particular project, Rich, you upgraded to a to a eight point two inch ring gear, correct? Yes. That's a considerable considerable upgrade from. Uh, 
from the standard 8-inch that most, most Toyotas have under, at least in the rear axle anyway. Yeah, the, now the ring gear isn't so much um, bigger than 8-inch. Um, <clears throat> you know, an 8.2-inch, if, you, if, you, if you're a mathematical person, you, you realize that's uh, a little less than, you know, 8 and a quarter inches. Um, but I, I think that what they did is made it thicker. But it's a lot more than just the ring gear here. It's the housing. Um, you know, on the 8-inch housing, uh, I, I believe they're M8 by, you know, 125 bolts. Uh, or studs uh, that hold it in. And, and we had noticed, uh, you know, friends of mine with Forerunners and, and FJ Cruisers that all have these. And I'm sure the Tacoma guys have run into it too because, you know, we all have the same stuff basically. Um, those, the, 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 third, the third member, the way it goes on the studs, will actually travel and loosen up a little bit on these, these eight inches. And it's, it's not uncommon for people to have to drop the third off and run in uh, bolts or uh, uh, button head cap screws from, from the inside out and use those to replace the stock studs. I, I remember um, when I uh, killed my first 8-inch rear or third member, I had noticed a lot of travel. It just, and when I say travel, I mean the whole third. If you grabbed it with your hands and moved it, there was play. And as I was unscrewing the nuts off the studs, some of the studs were just entirely coming out of of the diff housing. And, and uh, I always had a slight weep of fluid around the third member. So what a lot of people do to remedy this is, you know, replace the, the studs from the inside out with, uh, you know, stainless bolts or grade 8, grade 10 bolts. So... One of the key differences, and, and I did post a picture on the Toyota Trucks and Trails podcast Facebook page uh, of my comparison of my old 8-inch versus the, the 8.2. And you have to understand that in that picture, and I'm referring to a picture which obviously you know listeners can't see, but hopefully if they're interested, they go and check it out. You know, it, it's a nitro ring gear, so it's significantly thicker. Um, but you can see, even despite that, you can see the differences in the housing. Toyota's gone up a full bolt size to M10s, you know, it's, so it's a heavier, you know, thicker, it's a, it's a thicker, heavier uh, stud holding it in to where I felt like I didn't need to thread bolts in from the inside out to make my own studs anymore. The housing is significantly beefier. You can even see uh, the bearing caps have bigger bolts and um, the entire housing is just bigger. It's, 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 um, or not the housing, but the third, you know, the carrier housing is, it's just bigger, it's beefier. And I had set out to do a ring gear. I hadn't set out to do an 8.2 upgrade, but what had happened was, and I'm sure some of our listeners can relate to these kinds of things is you kind of get an idea in your head to set out on a project and all of a sudden parts start falling out of the sky. Has that ever happened to you, Jason? (laughs) Rarely, but yes, occasionally. (laughs) (laughs) So what happened for me was I was going to re-gear my 8-inch, and a guy was selling, a, a, a guy named Kyle in Texas, uh, who's in the FJ Cruiser community, had bought an 8.2 housing because he had bought, bent his 8-inch housing um, in, in, a, in a mishap he had. So when he, he actually, I, I feel bad for him, he, he got the 8.2 housing in, and tried to put his eight inch third in it and it there's no way so um he he you know put the 8.2 up for sale and managed he actually managed to get his eight inch uh, housing straightened but anyway 
um, his loss was my gain. I uh, I grabbed this this housing up uh, at a great price, and if you can find a wrecked eight point two, uh, whether it's a forerunner or a twenty twelve plus FJ Cruiser, I don't know which forerunners. I think the just the fifth and sixth gen are running. I don't. I would imagine. I'm not sure. But, I, I would imagine. Yeah. But I know 2012 and up FJ Cruisers have them. And actually, the Australian FJ Cruisers actually have um, some bracing and gusting on the uh, the rear axle housings that the U.S. ones have. I've never seen it outside of Australian models, but they actually have reinforcement on the tubes that I, I would love to have. Um, and I'll see if I can provide a picture of that. It's it's It's... Never been seen anywhere outside of the Australian FJ Cruisers, but boy, that pre-braced, you know, axle tubes, that, that sounds like that's for me. Anyway. Yeah, not at all so, surprising for Toyota to offer something in Australia that they don't offer here in the States. Oh, man. It, it, it's, it's a killer, isn't it? I, I, I'm jealous of what they get over there. So it, it, all in all, this, this 8.2 housing came up, and um, I was going to send my 8-inch out. Uh, for re-gear. Uh, I chose East Coast Gear Supply just because so many of my friends have used them and I've seen so many good reports. Very, on very, re- very reputable, reputable place. If, if anybody uh, is looking into to re-gearing, I, I will uh, get a post or a uh, link to their, their site in the show notes. Very reputable. Yeah, very. And, and I can't say enough good things about these guys in terms of uh, customer service. Um, you know, I tend to be a, a, a reader, so I'll, I'll research something and read up on it as best I can before. I, I hate to bother people with questions because, you know, you call up a place like that and you ask them, you know, what's diff fluid or something? And you know they've answered the questions you're asking a hundred times and, and you just feel bad for asking them. Um, but these guys, they just took it in stride. And, and I know I was asking questions that I've been asked a million times before and they just they, they treated me right and and um, didn't make me feel like, oh, not this again, you know. Uh, they, they were good guys. Steve and Chase were the two gentlemen I dealt with over there. And, yeah, so East Coast Gear, great guys. I called them up and I said, hey, uh, I got an 8.2 housing and I want an 8.2 third. Uh, I was going to send in an 8-inch, you know. Do you want to work something out? And they did. They were happy to, to do it the way I wanted basically traded my eight inch third for an 8.2. Um, and you know, they gave me a, you know, my core charge, uh, my core return, I should say, you know, the amount of cash you get back on your core. Um, you know, they do a core system where they'll send you your, their part and you send them the old one back and then they refund you just, just like the core charge at your local auto parts store. Um, so I didn't get quite as much back, but to be honest, this, this, this worked out to be a clean break. And I got my 8.2. The only thing I had to do was buy the 8.2 e-locker because the 8-inch and 8.2 e-lockers are not the same. Um, I'll be darned. Yeah. They, and, you know, I have a picture, uh, and I can upload that the, uh, upload that to Toyota Trucks and Trails as well so people can see of the two lockers next to each other. And they look the same. They almost look like um, they put it in a CAD program and just enlarged it slightly. Upsized it a little bit. Yeah, I, I I seen the pictures that you posted. Uh, maybe it was on Facebook or somewhere that I caught them. Yeah. And uh, honestly, I, just looking at the pictures, I I couldn't tell that much difference in them. So, of course, um, my mind may have been somewhere else at the time, and I wasn't paying all that close of attention. <laughs> That's not out of the realm of possibilities by any stretch. But 
I, I had I, asked um, I had asked Chase about it at East Coast Gear, and he said nope. He said um, they're so similar. He said that we had actually picked two of them up and tried to fit them in in the eight point two, and he said they're just off by just enough to where you can't even modify it. You really need to get the whole thing. <laughs> so j- just out of curiosity, Rich, I wasn't I wasn't aware that you had to. Uh to purchase one of those, where where did you end up running down the actuator from? That that is what you're referring to, correctly? Yeah, yeah. They all right. So they call it. We say actuator. They call it an e locker motor, um, but we're talking about the same part. Okay. Yeah, uh, it's just that whole assembly that's you know comes off with the three bolts, the plug, and the breather. Right. It's off the third. We're talking about the same part. Okay. Um, they call it a, a, a diff an e locker motor, and they sold it to me. Um, the thing looked brand new it looked clean enough clean enough to eat off of um and uh you know i was i was happy to have it and they they uh they didn't ask for my old one back and i asked them do you want my old one they're like no we have plenty of those and and you bought yours fair and square so there's no core so i was actually found another toyota guy in need of one (laughs) so (laughs) that helped offset my cost Awesome. Yeah, so, I, it so, felt like a bandit on this. <laughs> but but you bought the actuator from ECG as yeah, well. Then. Yes. Oh, yes, okay. Yes. All right, I got gotcha. you. Yes, I, I bought the the uh, actuator or e locker motor. I I bought that straight from them. Everything came in the mail the same day: the front diff, the rear diff, and the actuator. Everything I needed except the fluids, gaskets, seals, and studs, uh, because the housing I had had no studs. Okay. Very. Um, so, yeah, Very and cool. I just used OEM for all that stuff. You know, I still use OEM seals. I've tried some aftermarket seals and ended up pulling the damn axles out and, and replacing uh, the seals. Always on, on seals and that kind of stuff, it's always better. They're not that much more expensive to begin with. And as long as you plan it out, um, if you have to order them, you know, it's it. You are, and, and I know you did that on yours where you've already got them on hand and that kind of stuff. It's it's far better, better to go with, with the Toyota seals. I've been been through the same thing with inner axle seals on the, the rear end of my forerunner i replaced the passenger side three times before i oh, finally gosh. broke down and <laughs> before i finally broke down and bought a toyota seal but um, yeah and and I, the rear seals on the on these axles too if you don't just get them in perfectly forget it yeah rip yeah. it out throw it away put another one in until you get it right and, right so i tend to order them in threes not that <laughs> <laughs> I, I I actually have a couple of spares now myself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, one <clears throat> pardon me. One other thing uh, th- that I wanted to ask you about, Rich, and you and I kind of discussed this off air, but uh, was your choice for for the gear ratio of your your new gearing? Tell the listeners a little bit about uh, about your original gears and and why you decided to go with the ratio that that uh, you chose. Okay. Yeah. Um... So it's a 2008 FJ, uh, and it has the standard, uh, not standard, but the, the typical uh, Toyota A750F uh, automatic transmission. Um, I think most of the Toyota trucks have that transmission. I believe even some of the cars have a variant of the A750. <clears throat> so the, the stock rear end ratio in the automatics is 373, and on the manuals is 391. So... I, you know, recently, about six months ago, I slapped 35s uh, on this vehicle. And, you know, I'm, I'm usually a 33s guy, and, and I can get into that in more detail 
a, a little bit later. But, you know, I wanted to, I've had 35s on before and I wanted to try it again. One of the reasons, you know, I had my choice, obviously, 488 or 456. I mean, it's it's a daily driver and it's a, it's a combination use rig. Um, f- so I chose 456 for a few reasons. Uh, one is, you know, obviously it's a big jump from 373 to, to 456. I think, you know, just mathematically people can see that right off the bat. Um, the other thing is, is in, in up here in the uh, People's Socialist Republic of Connecticut stand, um, wheeling is sort of not, uh, it's a very blue state. So, you know, people aren't kind of, as friendly to motorsport sort of activities. I don't know if I'm not really trying to bring politics into it. I'm not sure what it is. Maybe it's something in the water, but uh, it's just there's, you see a lot of the younger people uh, or people who live in in rural areas or on the farms with four by fours, but you just don't see a lot of people that are real interested in this stuff. And uh, there's no off-road parks really to speak of. Uh, There's a couple of, you know, uh, play areas around the states, but mostly people kind of keep it quietly, or it's privately owned land or club land, and and um, you know, of course, a lot of jeeps. So we try and uh, we, what what ends up happening for us is we end up having to drive, uh, you know, to another state to have a little fun on on in an off road park or on some good trails. So we basically can't go wheeling without some highway time. So going to 488s, that might be probably as far as I'd want to go. Um, but I thought 456 would also be good in case I ever returned to 33s. You know, I've sort of, I'm sort of in a, a medium range where, um, you know, I've got a good compromise of, you know, the ability to drive on the highway if I need to and, um, you know, still turn some, some decent-sized tires. Um, it really, it came down to that. I, I really like the versatility. You know, I, my vehicle is a jack of all trades. It's not, you know, it doesn't excel uh, really at any one thing, but it, it's pretty good at a lot of things. So 456 kind of fits the bill. You know, it lets me run a couple different sire, tire tri- sizes um, and, uh, you know, still lets me do four hours down the highway uh, without strange gas mileage issues. The other thing is, with 35s on that 373 gearing, the stock gearing, that but that for that poor transmission was just it was working. You know, it it it, it was changing gears all the time. Uh, basically, I had to drive it in four. Uh, I couldn't put it in D because the the it would just constantly shift from overdrive. You know, Toyota sets these shift points up on these things for economy. You know, because that's sure, that's, sure. that's the big thing now. So. I mean, you could be doing 45 miles an hour and this thing wants to go into uh, fifth and, you know, it's a five-speed automatic. So, you know, of course, with 35s, now your your <laughs> your RPMs have gone down to like nothing to where that, that V6 is like, hey, you know, what's going on? And, and uh, you're, you're bogging down. I've actually noticed a mileage improvement. Now, I wouldn't say I, I got, I'm getting back better gas mileage so much as... I'm getting my gas mileage back to where it probably should be, if that makes sense. So, you know, um, it's it's going up hills and stuff a lot better. Previously, you know, like I said, the transmission was just constantly shifting. Going up hills was kind of miserable. You either went 60 up a hill or you went 20 up a hill. But there was, you know, no in between. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, where I live, we're about 1200 feet above sea level. So, you know, we've got quite a bit of ups and downs here in terms of hills. So gaining back that ability to just be able to sail up a hill. I mean, even at 456, it, it just feels like the truck is driving on stock tires again. I'm, I'm seeing, you know, I actually saw uh, some mileage today that was similar to the sticker on the vehicle when I bought it new. <laughs> Very cool. Well, I, I, I was going to ask you whether you felt like that got you about back to where you were, you know, with, with your factory setup or, or uh, you know, whether you had still gained a little bit as far as a little bit lower gearing on, on the highway, which obviously is not what you were shooting for with wanting to keep it more roadable. But I was just wondering, you know, if it if it got you back to to what you felt like was a more stock gear setup. Yeah, definitely in the realm. And the other thing, too, is in all fairness, I'm about 450 miles into it. You know, the, the first 500 miles is considered the break-in period. So I'm in about 450 miles. I haven't gone much over 70. And when I have, it's just been for a short, you know, short amount of time. I haven't gone on like a, you know, hour-long uh, highway drive yet, you know, or, a, you know, all highway. <laughs> Out here, you have to drive an hour just to get to the highway. Right. <laughs> so it becomes kind of a trip. But, um, you know, I've been doing 50. Uh, the instructions from East Coast Gear say drive 50 miles at a time um, and, and let it cool for a while. And uh, so what I would do is, uh, you know, drive 25 miles out and 25 miles back and then do it again tomorrow, you know. And uh, just did that over and over. So once I'm able to, you know, in a couple of days here, I'm going to, you know, just get on the highway and try and uh, it's a good excuse to go to Cabela's, right? Sure. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Any excuse is a good excuse to go to Cabela's. Right. So, yeah, I'm just going to take a take a nice long, long highway drive. And, and uh, of course, I don't want to advocate breaking any any speed limits, but I'm going to, you know, push open it, it up a little bit, push and, it a little bit. Sure. Yeah, push it a little bit and see how it goes um, safely, of course, with my seatbelts on and my uh, my helmet and my uh, fire extinguisher. But <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> well, folks, I, I, I want to stress while we're we're kind of on the topic to the, of, of this, Rich kind of alluded to, to the break-in period on gears. While we're talking about it, uh, I'm sure Rich will back me up on this. Proper break-in for, for a ring gear and pinion is crucial. If they're not broken, you'll wind up with poorly worn-in gears, which can cause a ton of problems down the road, including overheating and things that will just annoy the... Or, or destroy the, the gears, rather. On the lighter side of it, at the very least, you will wind up with the most annoying whine that you have ever heard in your life at highway speeds. Speaking from experience in my forerunner. Is that uh, a high-pitched whine? Uh, it, it is just a constant high-pitched, droney whine. Um, oh. it, it will drive you crazy riding in that thing for, you know, down the highway for 30 miles. Um, and, it, and it doesn't go away? It doesn't go away, no. It... Uh, it is just crucial to to do like like Rich said and, and follow the manu- manufacturer's instructions on break in because they they all want it done slightly different but es- essentially it's the same thing. Uh, just if you get your rig regeared, just make sure you pay very close attention to that and and get that initial gear oil change done and, and that kind of stuff. Um, this, as with a lot of other things that Rich and I talk about, is a 
a considerable considerable investment for most people. I know it was for me. It's not not something that you want to uh, you want to destroy right out of the gate or or do something that's going to cause problems down the road. Yeah, agreed. And 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 let's be honest. I mean, working on our trucks is fun and all, uh, but we've all got better ways to spend our time and money. And I do not do. I don't know about anybody else. I don't like doing work twice. I would rather do things right the first time and. You know, it, it took me probably a little longer to do this job than uh, it would have, you know, more experienced people, certainly. But uh, anyone else, just because I tried to be thorough with, you know, cleaning and keeping things clean as I went, making sure I wasn't in, introducing contaminants, you know, in, into the, the housing or, the, or into the third member. You know, I, we all work hard for our money, so it's worth it to do things the right way. Absolutely. And, you know. Um, I'm hoping I got the break in correct. I tried to keep my trip short and, you know, the only, the only thing is, is just all these hills, you know, I know that heated that, that diff up quite a bit. Um, so we're going to have to put some highway, highway time on and, and, you know, when you talked about that wine on the highway, I was like, geez, I haven't done too much highway time. What if I have the wine? Now? <laughs> <laughs> that was the first thing that went through my head when you said that. Well, I, I, I promise you it is, it, it gets to be beyond annoying. I've talked to a few different shops about redoing mine and basically resetting up the gears again and, and trying to break them in again. And I've got kind of conflicting reports. Some people say that it may have been a little bit bad setup uh, and then a little bit of bad break-in added into it. And resetting them up properly and trying to break them in again may do away with it. But most people say once it's there, uh, it's just you just deal with it. Mine. Well, what, what do you think you did something wrong in breaking? I know I did. What did uh, you do? Part of part of the problem was one of my initial drives. I got out a little further than than I thought I did. Uh, I was trying to do like you, you know, several short fifty mile trips, and I think I overheated it that particular time. Not long after that, not long after the initial break in. So it, it, I, I won't say this was completely a, a, a break-in issue either, but I uh, wound up with a leak in somewhere from the third member, and I wasn't 100% sure where it was coming from. But I was in, in, in the middle of doing other things, and at that time I didn't, didn't trailer my rig anywhere. I, I drove it you know, er, everywhere I went. There was a ride that I really wanted to go on. I, I should have canceled the ride, pulled the, the rear end back apart, and figured out where the leak was but on on that particular ride on the way home i did not run completely out of gear oil but i got low on gear oil uh-huh. and it was uh it was bad enough that it ended up doing the pinion bearing in Ooh. so i ended up having to to pull it all back apart and send the the third member back off they said the gears were salvageable uh replaced the the pinion bearing and put it back together but that is when i really really noticed the the wine, um, you know, it's a, a very good possibility that it, it was the, the low gear oil issue that did it. But Yeah. Now, did you use the the uh, uh, East Coast Gear recommended to me this this gear oil that was 85-140. And um, so today I actually changed the fluid for the first time. Uh, you know, they, they said do it at 500. I was at 450, and I have a busy week ahead of me. So I said, well, it can't hurt to do it no. 50 miles earlier. No, for that's sure. that's. that's- plenty on it i would say so of course you know here today in in 
in the Northeast um, on the first day of spring, um, you could see your breath outside <laughs> at noon. <laughs> so this 85-140, you know, it, it came out just fine. I, I, I took for the truck for a ride up the street to warm up the diff a little bit and then pulled the plug and, and, and let it drain. But it, it's just so thick. It's, it's like honey. And uh, getting it back in, that actually took a while because it's cold out. I was actually wondering if this fluid was a little too thick for the, the temperatures up here. But uh, it was what they recommended, so I went with it. Well, and, and that may be another thing that, that I did wrong with mine. Um, I'm almost sure that I'm running straight 80-90. Don't remember right off the top of my head, but I know it wasn't anything anything special. And and what pe- what people had pa- – I, um, you know, Chase – or uh, not Chase, uh, East Coast Gear gave me the, the instructions on how to break it in. Um, and I followed the instructions, but I didn't know a lot of the whys. So I, you know, why do I want this kind of fluid and why do I want to do it this way? Uh, you know, you touched on it with what you were saying. It's heat. You know, they want you to use this real thick fluid to uh, help cool, you know. Absolutely. Uh, because I'm sure uh, with the, some of the temperatures that diff was getting to, uh, you know, I'm sure that that thick oil probably turned into liquid. Yeah, with with the added heat, uh, a, a thinner oil would is only going to get thinner. So if you start out with that, that makes complete sense. If you start out with something a little little thicker out of the gate, you know it'll it'll still have some what's the proper word viscosity. Yeah, as it as it starts to break down from heat. Yep, um, but but wow, the stuff was thick. <laughs> at, at least it's it's not real expensive. They had uh, um, recommended uh, Lucas non synthetic. You know. Um, I don't want to say organic, but non-synthetic. And then they said, you know, after the break-in period, you could switch back to whatever you want. So, I, you know, I had always run Mobile One in, in everything, in all my diffs, and never had a lubrication-related issue. Had some other related issues, <laughs> some, some driver-related issues, but I never had uh, lubrication-related issues in, in any of the diffs. And, you know, 150,000 miles on the front diff, of course, you know, my it's a part-time so it didn't obviously have that much mileage on the front diff, but um, never a lubrication issue. So um, I don't know if that I'll switch back to that, knowing that these things run hotter. Um, you know, at least for the rear diff. You know, maybe I'll maybe I'll bump up to something a little more. You know, something that's going to deal with heat a little bit better. Sure. Um, but I don't see a problem with running synthetic either. Uh, just just a thicker synthetic. So right. Maybe I'll do that. I don't know. I haven't made any decisions. And of course, I would welcome feedback on that because I'm new to all this. Well, and and you can expect that that rear end to run considerably hotter for for a while. Uh, oh yeah. You know until the 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 initial break in is just that. It's the initial break in. Okay. Um, it, it's how those those gear teeth learn how to fit fit together, but. Uh, they will continue to wear together for several several thousand miles uh, mm. to come. So it, it's <clears throat> pardon me the the rear third. You'll see a little more heat out of it than maybe what you're you're used to seeing after the the uh, gear change anyway. <clears throat> I was at uh, a horrible freight or excuse me Harbor Freight. <laughs> You're just not going to let me go on that, are you? <laughs> I no, I say it all the time, and and you know, I I really don't mean any disrespect to to, to Harbor Freight. They're they're a great company, and and they've certainly provided me 
uh, tools that I would not otherwise be able to afford. And I've gotten quite a, quite a bit of work done on, on Harbor Freight tools, even if it took three or four of the same tool. But, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> most of my, uh, you know, I've, I've done quite a bit of it. Well, anyway, they had a, a basically a, a $20 laser heat gauge. And, and I thought, well, during this diff experience, this would be pretty cool to, you know, try this laser, you know, aim it at the diff and see how hot Absolutely. the housing is. And, and, and it's a lot more high tech than just crawling under there and sticking your paw on there and seeing how long you can hold hey, your hand. it's warm. <laughs> <laughs> so, because, you know, at Toyota Trucks and Trails podcast, we strive for uh, high technology. Sure. And so, <laughs> so I, I grabbed one and, and uh, I have noticed the temperature's been going down through the break-in period, uh, it, it, you know, I think day one, well, day one, you, they say drive for about 10 minutes and then come back and let it cool off. And then, you know, um, well, I left my cool off periods to about two hours, um, in between them. Most of the time it was overnight, you know, plenty of time for that, you know, especially with the temperatures here, plenty of time for it to get cold again. So today I went for, went for a ride and, and I saw 173 degrees, on on the on the housing you know so it's obviously you know hotter inside so i i'm thinking you know it is it is slowly coming together but uh of course now i'm now after after talking to you i want to get on the highway tomorrow and if i hear a whine i'm just going to turn the stereo up and keep driving (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i uh I didn't mess with the wine. I just upgraded my stereo system. So. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Get a subwoofer. There you go. Well, uh, folks, we uh, Rich, do you want to get into some of the other stuff we we talked about? We're we're getting up there time wise. I think we're going to run way long if if we uh, if we get into the other the other topics that are still kind of based around this. Do you want to hold off for that stuff for another episode? Yeah, I think we should. Um, just to wrap up on the on the regear a little bit before we call it a night here, um, I would say you know if you if you're trying to run 35s on one of these trucks, the 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 regear is is certainly I'm noticing a huge difference just in street driving. I haven't even taken it on the trail yet. Um, I but it's much kinder to your transmission. Um, and this is one other thing I just want to throw in real quick. I have an ultra gauge, which, you know, it's similar to a scan gauge. Uh, and the newest version of them um, can read the Toyota transmission uh, fluid temperature coming out of the torque converter. And I've noticed lower temperatures because the transmission's not working as hard. So if you're running big tires on these on these trucks, certainly consider a regear. It's not a bad operation to do yourself. Of course, if you take on and swapping an entire diff housing, you know that's that's a little bit different. But to just swap out the third, it is not a difficult operation. You kind of can't screw it up. Well, I suppose somebody out there could find a way. Um, maybe if you well, left a screwdriver inside there. <laughs> no, uh, I do. <clears throat> pardon me. I do want to add to that that. Uh, keep in mind that on on Rich's truck, you know he has a, a an FJ Cruiser with a a fairly stout out of the box V6. You guys running mini trucks with a, a 22R 22RE stock gears and 35s. It, it is that's got to be rough. Uh, I I would say it it 
would be almost necessary to to regear at that point. I ran 33s on my Forerunner for a long time with the 34 automatic uh, before I regeared to uh, to 488s, and I, I noticed some difference. Unlike Rich on mine, mine wasn't as huge of a jump. I went from the the 430 gears that I had with the the factory e locker to 488s, so it wasn't as big a jump as as Rich's, but uh, I, I did notice some difference, but very glad that I had them when I went to a 35 inch tire. The the four cylinders that are they're a great engine, and and I by would never never diss them in any way. I've I've got a 22 RE in my my 86, but w- when you get down to that that low horsepower and that low torque numbers, if if you're considering you know going to that big a tire, just recognize that. To maintain any drivability at all, that a, a regear is probably going to be in your future, and it's surprisingly affordable. It's not as out of reach and as expensive as as, as I thought it would be. Um, of course, there's an initial investment because there's a core charge, but you get a portion of that money back. And I would imagine, probably on some of the older trucks, it, it, it might even be more affordable because the parts are more common. Sure. But with <clears throat> with that, there's there's a lot of other stuff that Rich and I wanted to get into. We just simply don't have time after Rich spent you know 45 minutes bragging about how he's got new gears in his FJ Cruiser. Hey, hey, hey! <laughs> Jeez, I'm taking a beating tonight. First, I got called intelligent. Now I'm bragging. Uh, well, I, I I'm called. I'm kidding. I know. <laughs> hey we could take a good good ball breaking up here this is the northeast that's that's sort of the status quo i got gotcha. you i got gotcha. you but <laughs> at, at that we will call the main <clears throat> pardon me the main topic and here and and we will do a, a another show we wanted to talk about some axle upgrades and, and differential upgrades and that kind of thing that uh, can keep everything all toyota but we'll uh, we'll save that for another episode Sounds good. And refrigerators. Don't forget the refrigerators. And the refrigerators. Uh, <laughs> don't worry, folks. We've got a lot of lot of uh, interesting topics coming up, but we will uh, we'll move out of the main topic and, and get on to something else here quick. Uh, normally in this segment we do listener feedback do we have any listener feedback this week rich um i i just think people were talking about how much they missed me last week and um how they don't care about nissans i think that's about it (laughs) you may be right (laughs) (laughs) well i was joking about the first one (laughs) honestly folks uh I don't think we have any listener feedback this week. Shame on our listeners. Somebody step up and tell us how wonderful we are or how un- unwonderful we are or however you want to word it. Be nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. No, we can take it. We got we got it. What about uh what about community spotlight? Uh community spotlight, I was going to leave that one on you. Okay. Uh, well, basically, I've got so much on my plate here that I haven't uh, I haven't picked out a group yet. All righty. Well, I, I wanted to. I've been wanting to mention 
not that they, I think, need mentioning, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. Uh, Cruise Moab. The event is held every year. I believe this is our 19th year. Uh, that is a really long-running event. Having been to, to just to Moab, fantastic place to wheel. I could can only imagine going out there during an event like, like Cruise Moab. I don't have a lot of information on it, uh, but I will get some stuff posted in the show notes. Uh, it's Unless you're already planning on, on going, it's probably a little little late to, to start planning because I believe it starts next weekend, if I remember right. It, it starts right after uh, Easter Jeep Safari. So uh, it's it's coming up in a in a huge hurry. But if that's, any, um, Sorry to cut you off, but that's May 3rd through May 8th. Oh, is it that far off yet? Okay. All right. Well, uh, I guess if you want to make some really late last minute plans <laughs> to, <laughs> to go to Moab, uh, there, there's still time to get that put together. I, I was thinking it was coming up quicker than that. Shame on me. But, uh, I know that, that just talking to a few people that have been out there, it is a, a fantastic event at a, a fantastic part of the country to, uh, to go wheel. I really hope that, uh, that I can make it out there in the next couple of years and, and uh, just check it out for myself. But if we have any listeners that, that make it out there, please give us some firsthand feedback on, on what it's like to, to be out there with that many cruisers and, and Toyota 4x4s. And I think any any opportunity to um, you know go with a guided group through uh, Moab should be jumped on because the the vibe and and I don't want to say I have facts to back anything up because uh, I I'm really not I don't have my finger on the pulse of the Moab community but um, just in in many of the various groups I have I'm I'm reading a lot of reports that you know the trails are getting shut down and they're trying to regulate things and they're you know basically trying to put some some put a cap on on the amount of traffic going through uh, these areas, so it, it's it's been in in the back of my mind. I need to get out to Moab while I still can, um, because who knows what's going to happen in the future. Absolutely, yep. We we can't continue to count on the Bureau of Land Management to uh, to be as understanding as they have been over the, you know the last fifty years. Um, things are changes are definitely in the wind, and uh, for as much as I had, hate to think about it, uh, like Rich said. Uh, a person really needs to uh, to take advantage of it while the opportunity is still there. Sure, and and with a group, um, you know, the the group that's managing um, Cruise Moab is the Rising Sun Four Wheel Drive Club of Colorado. Okay, so these 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 folks are familiar with the area, and you know, they're uh, it's a TLCA Toyota Land Cruiser Association sanctioned event, so you know. It, these events I've found always tend to be really good folks, really down to earth, well behaved. You know, there's no one throwing trash. If anything, they're picking up trash. Um, they're doing it right. And these are the kind of groups, you know, personally, I like to go out with and I like to see other people, you know, explore these groups because they're they're going to they're going to show you the right way. Exactly. And it's a fantastic way to get introduced to the Toyota community, so to speak. If you've never been to an event, something like that would be an epic way to to get involved. Well, it looks like a great event. Hopefully, I can make that. And she's there's. I really got to talk to about get to my boss about getting more vacation time so I can just go on this tour of event to event. Wouldn't that be fantastic? I I would, I would love that. 
we should become journalists. You know, we should we should get paid for this so that we can just go cover events. Oh wait, I forgot. No one cares. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway. <laughs> All righty, folks. Well, uh, to the usual stuff. If you enjoy the show, we we can't stress enough how important it is and how much it means to us for you to go to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review. We've got a lot of great reviews and and that sort of thing, but we need more, and it only takes a few minutes of your time, and it means so much to us. We we appreciate each and every one of you that that listen to this show, and uh, our goal is to uh, to continue to to keep it growing and and getting better. And one way for that to happen is the reviews on on iTunes. So they are super important. I've mentioned before, you know, it helps with search results and and that sort of thing, and it. it just can't stress how important it is. So if you haven't done it, uh, and like I said, if you enjoy the show, please go to go to iTunes and uh, subscribe, rate, and review. If you want to get in contact with us, you can do so through the website, uh, toyotatrucksandtrails.com. You can leave a comment on any of the episodes or about anything that you, you would like. You can follow us on facebook at ttat podcast or pardon me facebook slash ttat podcast we try to be fairly active on on facebook and and you can message us through there or or just uh leave a comment right there on the page however you want to go about it uh we have also recently gotten uh in more active on instagram and you can follow us there at ttat podcast am i missing anything rich seems like i am uh, let's see. You got Facebook, Instagram. Uh, what's that other one? Email. <laughs> email. <laughs> Who uses that anymore? Our email is Toyota Trucks and Trails at gmail dot com. You can send us an email any any time you you care to. That's that's another way to to get a hold of us. If you're if you're still in the eighties. If you're hey now I just <laughs> recently learned how to send an email and communicate that way. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jason. I, hey, buddy, you as well as anybody know how behind, behind the times I am when it comes to technology. But you, you know what? You you're, you learn quick. I, I I like to think so. Um, I don't know how good a job I'm doing, but I'm I'm trying anyway. Anyway, <laughs> uh, real quick before before we get out of here, uh, I I want to say again that. Uh, we are not trying to make a profit off of anything or, or anything of the sort. It is just purely to help offset some of the costs of, of producing the show, media hosting expenses, and, and that sort of thing. For a $3 donation, uh, that will get you a sticker. A $15 donation will get you a T-shirt. I've actually got a couple of those that I've got to go to the post office and get, get in the mail tomorrow. But uh, if, if you're inter- interested in financially helping the show that right now is about the only way that we have to go about it uh i don't feel feel right just asking for donations so i i try to to uh to give something back we we uh we hope everybody that listens is is enjoying and and uh if a, if anybody uh like i said just wants to to help support us a little bit that's that's the way to go about it. If you just send me a message on Facebook or send me an email, however you want to go about it, we will uh, get the details worked out that way, and I will get one in the mail to you. 
And, and it, it is a nice sticker that you would want to proudly display on your Toyota. Absolutely. I think they look good anyway. Uh, hopefully we can, can get some out there and, and uh, start getting some some people to send us some, some photos of where they decided to put them. Unless it's under your skid plate, and then I don't want to know that, that you didn't think any more of it than that. <laughs> Wait, well, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe coming up we'll talk about doing a little contest where, uh, you know, your, your rig and the sticker gets you something. Maybe and, a shirt, maybe something more interesting. Sure, we can we can definitely work on something like that. We are uh, we're running. Uh, Let's go. Let's uh, wrap uh, it up. A little bit long here again, <laughs> so we'll we'll wrap this up. Uh, thanks again, everybody, for listening. We we hope you uh, you enjoy what what you hear. Come back next time. And uh, Rich, you got anything else? No. Let's go home. All righty. Cool. Well, for. This is Jason Hoffman for your co-host, Rich LaRusso. We are out of here. Uh, Again, however you all go about it, get out and enjoy your Toyota. come out of it like we did the other night or yeah what did we say wow that was a great interview yep yep, that's how it worked (laughs) i was on the edge of my seat (laughs) it's not that great of an interview jason sucks at interviewing people so (laughs) (laughs) please don't please don't say jason that was a lame interview but (laughs) sorry oh man oh you got me good with that one (laughs) All right. All right, let's come out of it.